welcome to Cinemegan Theaters week five. Yay. Uh, we're almost to double digits or like we're halfway there. Um, yeah, so we just finished watching Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It came out in 2019 and was directed by Celine Siema. Um, and she was also the screenwriter to this movie, um, which won uh, Best Screenplay at the Cannes Festival in 2019, which is really cool. Um, what I found out while I was researching this movie, because I, I, I'll be honest, I had seen this movie but I knew it got a lot of like recognition um for just being a really good movie and like kind of pushing um some boundaries which we'll get into but this so basically this movie was filmed with an all-female crew and as you guys <laughs> saw uh, most of the cast um are females too uh the only movie that I can I guess compare that like I I've studied before is Jean Dielman which is a Chantel Ackerman film that came out in like the 70s that's like a four and a half hour movie I highly recommend it I won't screen it here but it's on Canopy and the Criterion channel um but yeah um yeah so going with that all-female crew and cast for the most part um I kept seeing that a lot of reviews and um, analysis for this movie, they kept mentioning the female gaze. So the female gaze essentially um, originates from Laura Mulvey's feminist film theory article, Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema, as a response to her theory of cinema being, you or yeah, so narrative cinema um, being used for the male gaze. Um, and that women in cinema are, quote, to be looked at this, end quote. Um, this article <laughs> I, I studied uh, quite frequently throughout uh, college uh, is written, I want to say, definitely in the 70s. I want to say 72. Um, and she talks about the movies Rear Window and Shanghai Express. So Shanghai Express came was released in the 30s and Rear Window was released in the 50s and kind of just like how um, basically her argument is that women in film can cause castration anxiety um, for the male characters um, because yeah so her theory yeah basically the article theorizes that all narrative cinema is from the point of view from the male um, camera, character, director, etc. of the male's POV and that the female characters can come in cause the castration anxiety whether most of the time it's just like um, figuratively. Um, I haven't actually seen a movie where <laughs> the woman goes after the guy's <laughs> phallus but um, so in order for that male's uh, POV to kind of like escape from this castration anxiety. Um, there are two avenues of escape that Laura Mulvey has. Uh, one is sadistic voyeurism, which is to demystify the woman's mystery and then punish or save her. So I'm thinking of Rear Window. I apologize if you, if any of you haven't seen Rear Window. Um, do you guys mind if I just like quickly spoil, not spoil it, but like 
say something. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so basically, Grace Kelly, love her. She, okay, so Rear Window, uh, James Stewart, I believe, yeah, that's the actor. James Stewart is basically, he has a broken leg, so the entire movie he's sitting down and he peers into his, like, his neighbor's apartment, thinks that his neighbor has killed his wife, and so he's trying to investigate it, but he can't because he's bound to a wheelchair because he broke his leg, and he can't climb up three stories with a broken leg. So Grace Kelly's character kind of swoops in and is like, I'll go figure it out. Which Laura Mulvey then um, again theorizes that this causes like the castration anxiety for this character, for the male character. And so um, with the sadistic voyeurism, she gets caught by the neighbor, which is horrible because uh, luckily she's, she's all good, but there is um, violence that is, or attempted violence that is inflicted upon Grace, Ke Grace Kelly's character in order to kind of relieve that castration anxiety for James Stewart's character. And then in Shanghai Express, um, oh, okay, so the second avenue of escape is um, fetish uh, scopophilia, which is building up the physical beauty of a woman as an object. And Laura Mulvey kind of uses this idea um with the movie shanghai express because marilyn dietrich's character there are multiple shots where like the woman is like legit i'm, I'm thinking I'm, like quoting my professor <laughs> like she's legit cut up in different shots so like there's a shot of her feet there's a shot of like just her face or like her hand smoking like her her nice pretty hand smoking a cigarette and like putting it towards her mouth and then her blowing the smoke so it's not like the whole it's not her as a person it's more of like parts of a person that are pretty to look at from a um like a uh a straight cis man um so yeah so the female gaze is trying to go against that um as a response so it looks at three viewpoints so with these three viewpoints, the female gaze focuses on the filmmaker, the characters, and the audience, um, and attempts to have those three viewpoints be um, be females. Uh, not necessarily the audience, because like anyone can watch a movie. <laughs> um, and so I definitely agree that Portrait of a Lady on Fire takes the filmmaker and the characters for sure. Um, as being the female gaze for these three viewpoints. Um, I, was, I mean, we, got, we all saw the same movie. So like, for instance, like the filmmaker, she wrote and directed it. I looked up even the cinematographer. She was female, <laughs> she was a female too. And like I said, it was all female crew. Uh, the characters, there were, the four of them were the main characters and most of the men's, uh, men characters in the beginning uh, their backs are turned, their faces are out of focus, and it's only until, um, I'm assuming that was, uh, the lady's husband, or, like, future husband, um, it's kind of, like, daunting to see, like, a guy's face, like, so late into the movie. Um, let me just look over. Yeah, so, what I... When I was reading a few articles, I was thinking about how, oh, also, 
Oh my god, I like get too excited. Also, shout out to Professor Lemire because I I found her PowerPoint um, <laughs> on this topic too. And I'm thinking of with Jean Dielman, that movie I mentioned earlier, where it was like uh, with incorporated the female gaze and had the all female crew. It was very evident that the cinematography and the filmmaking itself like wasn't there to like objectify the female characters um i specifically saw this when um mary yeah marianne's character uh like she's like soaking wet because she jumped into the sea and then even like when she's naked naked smoking the tobacco it's a wide shot like there's never like a close-up shot of like uh, like them being sexy, you know, uh, like of them fully nude. Um, yeah. So I feel like in a tr- if this was like 1950 and like Alfred Hitchcock was going to be directing it, probably would do closer shots. Um, so that's that's an interesting point I wrote down when I was watching the movie. But yeah, also another question, uh, a question that I guess I'll open it up to the floor. Because the so the filmmakers and the characters um, take control of this gaze, there's kind of like a little bit of a paradox because Marianne's character is painting <laughs> um, a portrait for a guy for him to decide whether or not he thinks she's pretty enough to bury uh, her. And... So do you guys think that maybe it's possible that Marianne has taken on the role of the male gazer? Wait, just to clarify. Yes. Um, Marianne is the, the main character, correct? She's a brunette. Or, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I would say... Yeah, uh, a little bit, just because, like, I guess in the way they portray, in the way they portray, um, uh, the way they portray like most relationships, and like, um, like whether it's like intimate or sexual connections that people have within cinema, um, it seemed like she was very like more trying to be more like showing her emotions, and then like I guess it's the regular thing like when men like. I like a stereotype people follows that when men show their emotions, they're like, like they considered like to be weaker and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like as she was showing her emotions, the I forgot the other for the other main character's name. What was her name? Uh, Eloise. Eloise, yeah, yeah. Like it seems like that started to like disrupt things a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm speaking like crazy right now, but I don't know. I guess that's if that's what you're like going at. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, this is like <laughs> there's a lot in class. I we literally took like a week or two to cover this whole theory. So <laughs> Yeah, this this article, I'm thinking uh Laura Mulvey's article and then just like the counterpoint that has recently emerged in the film industry. Um Yeah, so I'm also thinking too, like, although there's like no 
predominant like male characters within this film like the patriarchy is very much like a, it's a huge part of the film and like yeah essentially the entire plot revolves around like this traditional um institution of marriage where like the the male is I hate saying like going to own the female <laughs> like it's 1770 in this movie um yeah and, and like even I was reading one of the paragraphs like within the article was talking about how the mother like internalizes it so if there had to be like a quote-unquote like male character the mother would be that character um that makes sense yeah that makes sense just because she like she symbolizes the patriarchy um but yeah and then so sorry i'm like re i'm like talking and like reading my notes i wrote so much um i'm thinking too like this movie like does a great job at i like embodying what the female gaze is just because like um oh like the things happen in the movie because of the character's actions not necessarily to like subtly release like the male's castration anxiety within the movie because there's no one to possibly have it or like, like there's no that that power dynamic doesn't exist um based on sexes and gender yeah <laughs> I, I think i don't know i think wait can you say that what you just said again just uh i'm thinking that like this movie does a great job like incorporating like that idea of the female gaze is like going against um, what Laura Mulvey claimed as the male gaze because what the characters like let me just read what I have in the book the things that happen in the movie happen because of the care like the individual characters like actions not necessarily to so subtly release like castration anxiety based on like a power dynamic based on like gender and sexuality um, of like opposite sexes so can I ask something yeah go ahead I'm not super familiar with this theory and you're doing a really great job of like explaining it. Oh, thank you. Um, so, you're welcome. Uh, so are you saying like the castration anxiety like drives the plot in like male gaze films uh, by like if it puts a woman or any character, I guess, in a position that doesn't reflect traditional like gender roles or something like that, that the plot is driven in a way to conform to traditional things to make male viewers more comfortable yes is that yeah yeah okay but now i'm thinking oh there's so many layers because unless i go back to the idea i'm now thinking like if the if the idea of the like the mother for instance represents the patriarchy and is like the quote-unquote like male character then eloise like does kind of get in the position where she is forced to marry yeah i was gonna say yeah i'm like <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I don't know it probably i guess yeah that makes sense that the mother would kind of be that but the entire movie that's kind of just like hanging there yeah you know the idea that she has to get married 
like it wasn't really a tense movie until they really to, until they started uh having sex and then it was like and then like that the tension came from because we knew it couldn't last mm-hmm. because of what was going on because she was she had to, like she had to get married um yeah i don't know it's it's very interesting a lot of layers to this movie yeah. and to this theory <laughs> I'm so glad that clicked <laughs> for me at least. Oh, that's okay. Um, just and I was okay. So I was also watching an interview with the director and uh, the actress who played Eloise and. So the the director is, she definitely says that like this movie uh, is part of the female gaze. Um, Eloise's uh, the woman who played Eloise. Um, uh, oh, I have her name, Adele uh, Hanel. Uh, she says that people will, or that this movie is pr- called or like. I'm trying to think of the word. The movie is characterized. Characterized, that's the word. Characterized as having the female gaze because of, like, of today's uh, particular climate, like socially and politically, uh, especially with feminism. So I was kind of like curious like what she meant by that, and then I listened a little more. Um, I was just writing down my own thoughts as she was talking too, and I was thinking, she basically was saying how this whole idea of like the female gaze like being separate from like the male gaze because like they're they're both like gazes um is that because of all the decades up until fairly recently of this idea that all narrative or not all but the majority of narrative cinema especially within Hollywood and Hollywood produced a lot of movies in the first century of filmmaking um, so that there was a lot of under-representation or even misrepresentation of women as humans um, because it goes back to Laura Mulvey's idea that they were just kind of used as objects. Uh, and I, I never, again, I never found that this form of filmmaking uh, for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, didn't I never felt that the women were objectified um, with any of the cinematographer or directorial choices. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on that. I definitely agree, and that probably goes without saying, but it was really refreshing to watch a film that included like intimate themes and scenes and didn't objectify the women and portrayed it in a very real like human way yeah because like I'm thinking the wide shots and like yeah also I wish Sienna was here because I would love to talk about the lack of music like nothing was like made to be like so 
almost like melodramatic because music does that a lot too especially with like such intense scenes and sometimes like very like sexual scenes um but there was no music so it was just fully natural like you were yeah you were... Uh, yeah I'm, i was sort of surprised at that because um like the the company that that um the movie was made by like neon i guess like the i see that name a lot yeah that's a distributor oh like i guess like when i'm like watching their movies like their movies are like more um like their movies are like more heavily impacted on like soundtrack like there's this movie that i was that i sit in a chat it's called the possessor or something like that Mm -hmm. and like their movies are like first thing all right that's one thing i want to mention too like the movies like type aesthetically pleasing too when i was watching it like i like how the camera shots was i like the mm-hmm. color palette i like how it was how it was edited like it was a definitely a really like nice warm movie to um watch especially when it was outside like it showed it showed i guess i'm it showed that they put a lot of work into this um visually um but neon yeah now nah, they they get into like their their soundtracks i also i was surprised at that um but yeah that's all i wanted to say Uh, yeah, I'm thinking too, when you brought up, um, like the outdoors, I thought of like lighting as a film technique and how even the the lighting was like fully natural in every scene. There wasn't anything that like was supposed to enhance any physical part of these women. It's just kind of like, it's nighttime, it's nighttime. Okay, there's a candle there. Okay, now we're in the sun. Like, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any like close up and like um halo that's like a a nice (laughs) i'm thinking like you see all the old movies where it's like the halo so it looks like their hair is all pretty and they're an angel and they're angelic and they can't do anything wrong because they're women and if they do do anything wrong we'll punish them no that's a fact you're right (laughs) that's a fact like most of the most of the camera angles was like more and like caught like Like the scene less what happened steady yeah, they were st- they, yeah they were steady. It wasn't really like a lot of like tracking shots. I guess when she was like running on a beach, and then mm-hmm. there would be like more like standstill shots when like I guess like when they finish having like sex or like the the thing when um she was painting her and stuff like that when it was on a beach and stuff um during like the like I forgot what it was. Excuse my language, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah i think it was a really well shot movie i really liked the way it looked like the, my, one of my favorites was when they like uh right before they go in that first walk and uh what's uh what's her name the painter marianne marianne when she comes downstairs and she sees eloise for the first time and mm-hmm. but it's just her and like that hooded gown and it's like dark and she, i don't it it was kind of fucking creepy when I first saw it. She kind of looked like the Grim Reaper just, like, standing there. And then when she went outside, it was, like, blue and kind of, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was just interesting to see her kind of look like the Grim Reaper as she, like, first, like, has her, like, first uh, a view of her. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was a very unique um, introduction shot. For the character yeah because the entire that's 
I might just be like thinking too much into it now because she's like not even shown like her body or like, I mean, her figure is like shown um, when she's introduced in that one shot with the cloak. And it's just, it's funny to compare that to like the whole movie is about her getting her portrait done (laughs) and she has to show her body. Um, Yeah. Also the shot of the, uh, the first bit like the uh the first painter's portrait where it was like it just had no head that kind of creeped me out (laughs) there were some aspects of the movie that just like like when she appeared in the white gown first i like Mm -hmm. i kind of jumped i was like (laughs) like i wasn't expecting it (laughs) probably because it was like so bright in such like a dark room Yeah, this it was just a beautiful story too. I love that she had the book open the page twenty eight in the portrait. That was really that was just very romantic. That whole last scene was so amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. She that was the music that um, Marianne played for her, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was heartbreaking, but. Even then, just like, I feel like a broken record saying like the camera work, but it just was a steady shot. Like it didn't try to like make it, the camera itself didn't make the scene emotional. Uh, The actress's performance did. Um, Yeah, Yeah, going back to what you said, music, I really like movies that don't, really have soundtracks or like music beds because mm-hmm. it yeah because you can really like focus on what's going on like in the scenes and like how characters are being affected mm-hmm. and like how like uh dialogue and stuff like that and yeah i don't know it just i really like this movie it was yeah it's great too when like a movie is very particular on music if they even have music at all because i mean Nine times out of ten, the movie's going to have some kind of music. But I do agree with you that I do like movies where they're very particular. Because when it is playing, it, like, really stands out. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to honestly look up this piece of music because I might want to jam to some classical music after this. <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah, th- th- those are all the notes I kind of have. I'm glad that um, you guys liked it. I'm glad we had a few people. I know Sienna and Jaden had to go um, before the movie ended, but I'll have to hit them up to see if they were able to finish it later. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Oh, this was, I'm having so much fun with this, too, because it was just great to be able to just talk this over and like dig out my freshman year PowerPoint. And... That was great when I had that click too. This is, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah. Um, any final words? Cool. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, I hope you have a great one and we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>